Hi there, and welcome to another edition of the 1% Better Podcast with your host, Rob O'Donoghue. Hey, welcome to episode 31 of the 1% Better Podcast. And in this episode, I have an excellent, enjoyable conversation with Lorna Quinn. So Lorna is an actor, and I'm just saying here, we talk a little bit about the difference between an actor and an actress, if there is any. And Lorna gave me the okay to use both, so I'm going to go with actor. Thanks, Lorna. And she's built up a great portfolio of work over the last number of years since graduating from drama and theatre studies in UCC. She has been in theatre most recently, Private Lives, uh, at The Gate in Dublin. She's also been on TV. She was in Fair City as Lucy Mallon, which actually brought her to national prominence a few years ago. She was also in Love Hate and also on the big screen in a movie called Dare to be Wild. And maybe most importantly, she comes from Longford, which is how I was able to connect with her. I've known Lorna for years uh, through her brother, Colm, and we talked about doing the show from early on in my podcasting journey, and then we made it happen. During the conversation, we talk about a girl band called As Three, of which Lorna was one third, and I definitely think it's time to make a comeback with that Lorna, so work on that. Lorna talks about some of the tips that she's taken from acting around hard work, practice, developing core values, and so much more during the hour plus conversation. It was so much fun talking to her. She came to Cork for the uh, interview. She was one of the first in my new studio. She signed the desk, which is uh, something I want everybody to do when they come. I hope you enjoy the show. If you do, please take 30 seconds to like it, to go to the Facebook page, Rob of the Green, share out about the show, and most importantly, maybe just leave a comment or uh, like on uh, the iTunes podcast app where the podcasts are presented as well so without further ado i present the episode with lorna quinn enjoy hey folks welcome i am with lorna quinn so lorna has just concluded playing the role of sybil chase in private lives at the gate theater in dublin her TV credits include Love Hate and Fair City, where she played Lucy Mallon. I remember, I remember her playing and rising to prominence in the nation in, in that role. This is a big one. Lorna received an award for Best Actress at the Stellar Shine Awards in 2016. And when I was doing a little bit of research, this piece I didn't need to do, but I looked you up on IMDb and it said your interesting trivia is Lorna is from Longford, believe it or not. <laughs> So I didn't have to say it because you're another Longford guest. So welcome, Lorna. Thank you very much, Rob. It's great to be here. Thank you for coming to Cork for the uh, live recording. Delighted to do it. So I give you a big uh, intro there. What would you, how would you describe what you do right now or define yourself right now? What would that be? Um, Well, I guess I'm in pursuit of a vibrant acting career. And so far, it's been very kind to me. I've had some lovely, lovely breaks, like you've mentioned there, Fair Mm -hmm. City and Love Hate and uh, working at the Gate Theatre a particular highlight of mine because I, I love the gate myself um so yeah I guess you know I'm I'm a, I'm a jobbing actor you know going jobbing. from job to job and uh, just hoping to continue as I am I was going to ask as well and you can correct me for for getting it so when I looked up your award it's a best actress yes 
and you just said they're actors. So I never oh, yes. am right. How do I? How do I, I know? know? What do we say? I think I think it's it's actor. I think that's that's what's decided upon. I think it's female actor, male okay. actor. I mean, I I'm not fussy at all. If you right. say actors, I'm I'm happy with that as well. But I think it's female okay. actor now. Most people say. Okay, good to clear it up because that's just confusing sometimes <laughs> for me as well. So as is the case in these kind of interviews, uh, talk a bit about the early days in in Longford. Uh, I give a shout out to your brother because obviously that's how I got to know you through 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 column. So growing up was and I remember from from you when you were younger. I didn't know acting or that whole area was what you were leading towards. Was it always something you kind of wanted to to pursue? Uh, no, not at all, not at all. Um, you know, as you say, I'm from Longford, and I started drama quite late. I was probably twelve, thirteen when I started speech and drama classes. And I loved it. I just, mm. I just love the sense of fun and the, you know, the laugh you'd have in a drama class, just improvising and making up characters and saying things that you didn't even think you could imagine or say, mm. but just having great fun. And um, you just lose all your inhibitions. And I think I was quite shy as a child growing up and it just brought me out of myself. And I loved that. But never in a million years did I think I'd be pursuing this professionally. Mm. And it wasn't until I was much older that I thought, actually, this is something I really, really want to do. But up until that point, it was just a, a hobby. And, um, you know, in school, a lot of my friends, they played basketball, they swam, uh, they played GAA. But I, I, whilst I liked those things, I never really excelled or never felt like I had a lot to offer those sports or other other extracurricular activities right. until I found drama. Okay. I thought this is something I, I really feel at home with or I'm really comfortable with. Mm. And that's huge uh, for a young person to find that. Mm. And um, yeah, I hung on to it and I joined the Longford Musical Society. I joined Backstage Youth Group. And uh, I was with Kindred Spirits, you know, I just loved it. I just yeah. lapped it all up and uh, felt very much at home there. It's interesting. I think one of the things that we didn't, we as in me and I guess Colm when we were growing up, uh, there was no drama really in, in secondary school or mm-hmm. primary school. And talking about kind of being shy as well, it it allowed allowed you to get into an, in another space where you were almost obviously not yourself. Mm. Did you find that helped when you reverted back into being yourself and break down some of shyness and inhibitions around that yeah I think so because if you're getting wonderful feedback you know if you're after performing mm. a little scene in the drama class and your teacher's saying well that was great well done or they're, you see your audience laughing or responding or uh, they're coming up to you saying oh that was really good I really enjoyed that you know absolutely your confidence is going to shoot up and you're like you're going to really feel good in yourself yeah. and those feelings are lovely to have mm. and you want more of that and um, and that's why I love performing and acting because of the the reaction sometimes you can elicit from an audience or if you move them in a certain way it's so um, it, it's just so rewarding it's a really rewarding profession acting run in the family uh, well, I know you have an aunt, aunt I think I was at I was at a dinner I think in your house on New Year's Day when, is it yeah. Columba? Columba yeah, yeah, yeah I remember and uh, yeah. she was in, in acting right so yeah Columba's a real character yeah, yeah. was yeah. there others or how you know did anyone kind of prod you in that direction no not, not that I know of I mean I can't say oh yeah Uncle Martin was a great actor. No, there's mm. there's no... It doesn't really run in the family. But saying that, you know my family runs. I've seen and, your brother act yeah, a few so, times, you know, but I think he was under the influence of certain things. Like <laughs> there's lots of characters in my family and great storytellers and, um, you know, a bit of a, a real interest in film and, and theatre and mm-hmm. that kind of thing. So um, growing up, I would have heard lots of aunties and uncles and my, my mum and dad, you know, tell lots of yarns and stories and I really enjoyed that. But no no actual acting as such in okay. my family I have a second cousin all right Leone who's who's a, an actor and she's in the business 
but um, no other than that nobody that I'm aware of anyway but I'd love to find out that there was a great aunt that was a great actress in her time that would be lovely to hear some DNA lineage <laughs> going back yeah. hundreds of years um, so you mentioned just before we came on there that somebody totally forgot uh, getting you in the, the public limelight yes. it, as three Mm. Talk to me about As3 and did that kind of play into your performance ability? Um, yeah, so As3 for the listeners um, was a group that myself and two friends uh, started. Still on YouTube? Uh, no, no, sure? no, no, definitely not on YouTube. Okay, right. um, so in transition year in school, um, we started this band As3 mm. and we were quite serious. Um, we wrote and recorded our own songs. We performed locally. Yeah. Um, we also um, performed at uh, festivals around the country and we supported Sandy Kelly at the Longford festival okay. you know so yeah. we really took it really seriously and it was it was wonderful for us like we were 16 and 17 at the time to be so focused at that age mm. and to take something so seriously I think it really stood to us in, yeah. in, in all the careers that we've chosen to do in the end and we had great support from our family and you know we called the the mammies of the three girls in the group the, as three mammies because they were on the phone booking us into you know okay. the Bowron or Valentine's in Longford for gigs yeah and we wore the same outfits and we we you know we, we uh, performed and rehearsed our own dance moves for every song we we did lots of covers you know we did Puff Daddy I'll Be Missing You we did um, you know um, All Saints Never Ever we were hugely into it and mm. um, you know I, I I always wondered like why was I in the band because I wouldn't consider myself a strong singer but I think the girls recognised me recognised in me maybe just a love of performance and yeah. that you know they knew I liked drama and that kind of thing so I might be a good fish for the third member mm. and Sean and Grania are just fabulous fabulous singers and right. so musical and so talented um, but the three of us together we were great we were we you know we really complimented one another I think yeah. on stage you definitely sounded a bit edgier with those two tracks you mentioned than the likes mm. of Steps or you weren't <laughs> kind of going after that type of the market where you were not really no although we did do uh, we just we, we did do a, um, a Benga Boys remember the Benga Boys yes uh, we, we took one of their songs and we didn't we didn't sing the song but we just played the song and we just did a dance to it we mm. thought this is what the audience want That's they'd love to see us dance to a Benga yeah. Boys tune so we did that and um, we still have our recordings and we, you know, we listen to them every once in a while. And we, whenever we meet up, like Sean is in London now, Grain is in Longford and I'm in Dublin. But whenever we meet, say, at Christmas time, we'd always reminisce really fondly because yeah. it was a really special time in all our lives and our family's lives because they gave us such big. support. Yeah, yeah, and the school, even Longford Convent, they supported us and the Longford community and the Longford leader. And, you know, we had we had great support locally and um, it was great. It was really exciting for us, you know. Yeah. Reunion on the cards at all? Possibly we'll do a, a tour, maybe. If the fans want it, we'll... we'll, we'll it's what the fans we'll, want, you know, we'll, say, we'll, you know, we'll do it. After this, yeah. maybe, you know, it could be nothing yeah. like so. No, that's... Uh, yeah. So th- that gave you more of a taste for performance I think so yeah right. I, I loved the performance and when the audience was there you'd get a great buzz um, performing and uh, yeah I I, I, th- I I, you know ironically for somebody who was shy as a youngster I, I love being on stage it's crazy you know in front of a full auditorium of people mm. I, 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 I really enjoy it I, I love I love that sense of performing and mm. um, I don't know maybe it's because you tap into another character you're, yeah. you're somebody else and you know you're, you're not I'm not Lorna on stage I'm playing like most recently Sybil Chase and Private Lives you have a four to five week rehearsal period before you get on stage so if you think of how do you get on stage I couldn't you have to remember we've had five weeks in rehearsal room with just that character I've been preparing learning all those lines Mm. researching the character researching the play the world of the play wonderful director directing us so we're not going to go on stage unrehearsed we know exactly what we're doing where we're meant to move all that so that's yeah. all there so yeah, and yeah, yeah. you know you can do it and it's it's not as daunting as it might seem yeah. so um but there's wonderful freedom in that going on stage and you're 
or in your costume, your hair is all done, you've got your makeup on, you're wearing shoes that help you be in the character, you've got the whole set, you've got your other actors you're working with. It's it's um, a whole ensemble piece mm. and um, it's hugely and richly rewarding. Yeah. No, I think that's important because like anything, you see somebody on stage performing or you see somebody doing a presentation and you say, oh God, I could never do that. No, you know, yeah. Most people could probably say that and then when you break it down and chunk it down and... Yes. put the weeks and stuff of, of uh, practice into it it's it's achievable I'm not saying anyone can do it but yes. anyone can get up and do a presentation yes. or whatever preparation so is key that's yeah. it like anything preparation practice. and yeah. practice then you got the bug did that play into you making your decision for college to, to come to Cork uh, I guess so I mean when I was young I always thought that I would be a teacher like my mum is a teacher a mm. retired teacher now but I always thought I'd follow in mummy's footsteps and become a probably a teacher mummy's a secondary school teacher I thought I might do a primary school teaching degree and um, but rather than go straight into say St. Pat's I think my you know mum recognised that I loved performance and drama and there was this course in UCC drama and theatre studies and it was only the second it would be would have been the second year of the course when I started it mm. so it was relatively new and um, you know Mum would have her ear to, to the ground with regard to CAO and, and courses that are on offer because she was in the school at the time and yeah. she would, you know she would she would she would be very aware of what's going on. Mm. So it was Mammy the first sort of um, mentioned it to me and I I thought wow that's something I'd I think I'd really like the thoughts of studying drama and theatre studies for three years wow that's incredible. Mm. Um so um I applied for the course and part of doing the course was I had to do an audition so we went down to Cork myself my parents and my brother Darren and it was a lovely weekend right. you know when something feels right when you know in your bones this feels right so mm-hmm. that was that really played in its favour that this, mm. this this really I love this I, I remember even exactly what I was wearing for the audition you know it really stands out in my mind just that whole weekend and where we stayed on a, in a B&B in Western Road I remember it really yeah. well and um, the audition went went really well and I had a, just an interview with, with um, the the course um, I guess coordinator Ger Fitzgibbon and um, yeah so it, it all went well and I found out maybe a couple of weeks later that I, I got a place in the course So it sounds like you're tapping into your purpose it seems as if that's when you say it notice when you say it felt right and you're in the right place it just typically when that happens it is must be right so it was a big move to Cork because when I moved to Cork when I was 30 everybody that comes down that's down here says geez you're a long way from home and it it did feel even you know even then like Cork was a long way any reservations or concerns or fears around the big the big leap or were you happy to just jump in I think I was happy to jump in get yeah. away from Longford as far as <laughs> yeah like I mean it was it was a big move but I, I think I was I was ready to do it I was really excited about the prospect of studying drama and theatre just felt wow this is great you know what an opportunity mm. um, and there's only one other girl from Longford Convent who went down to Cork okay. and she was studying social studies so we stayed in the same accommodation for the first year okay. uh, we stayed in Diggs and the Lock and uh, with a lovely lady called and she looked after us and it was nice for the first year to be away from home to actually be in digs because it was kind of home from home and the yeah. lady was lovely and really looked after us and everything um, and obviously because it was such a long distance I wasn't home every weekend and even to get from Longford to Cork it was a massive trek you know you first of all have to drive to Athlone and then get a bus from Athlone to Ross Grey and then Ross Grey to Cork so it's pretty much a full day travelling yeah, yeah, yeah. so I didn't do it too often and um, 
yes coming down to Cork was daunting because like I say I didn't know anybody but the good thing about my course was that there was only about 20 of us in it so we got to know each other quite quickly mm. and the nature of drama and theatre we were doing lots of exercises to really break down any barriers get to know one another doing lots of physical exercises so by the end of the first week we were all really familiar and comfortable with one another so that mm. was great you know bit by bit I found my feet and when it came to like the clubs and societies day in college um, I went along and I you know expressed interest to certain clubs and societies that I thought would suit me um, needless to say I joined the Drama Society but I also found the running club the athletics mm. club and um, in in school I was always quite a fast runner Like, and I, I found that I've just by playing tag boys against the girls in national <laughs> school and I, I tended to be quite fast okay. and um, so I thought well you know running I could do that you know there's lots of other clubs like you know maybe canoeing or hockey or that yeah. kind of thing but I thought running I, I like the sound of that so I joined the running club and uh, went out we were training in CIT at the time because the Mardike uh, track was being built yeah, yeah. yeah so um so it was a bit of a, a bus journey out and your my stomach would be in nuts going out on the bus because of the the running training itself was quite intense right. and uh, myself and another guy John from Tipperary we seemed to be the only newbies in the in the in, to the club at the time and like we were training with I, I'm not joking like elite athletes yeah. <laughs> so we were really put to our faces yeah, I swear yeah. we were sprint like sprinting was what I started with um mm. 400 meter sprints and I tell you, whoa, you you would really be put through your paces every Tuesday and Thursday night. Like, they're, they're, I'm not joking when I say there'll be people in the club like getting sick at the side of the track. Like, I, no, I, I swear, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I I loved the feeling I got at the end. So it was it was worth it. The rush, the like, euphoria of of the the training. There's and, an uh, adrenaline junkie coming out here. I think in, in a couple <laughs> of ways. Like, so going after the running, which is probably something you weren't again going outside your comfort zone and the yeah. uh, the on stage piece as well. I guess there's. There's yeah. a buzz coming out of oh, both yeah. of them, yeah. Totally, yeah. Oh, yeah, it's lovely. Would you always be nervous before an audition, or like, do you feel that that's almost a prereq to potentially being having a, a good audition? Or is yeah, that something that's not not nervous to the extent that it it's it's getting debilitating. Sick. Yeah, getting <laughs> yeah. sick in the corner. That's not good. But definitely butterflies in the stomach. And every night before I go on stage, even there's always butterflies there, mm. and because you can hear the audience. Or also before an audition, of course, there's going to be nerves and butterflies because this is potentially a big job. It could be mm. it could be three months work. There's yeah. so much at stake. Yeah. And, you know, and hopefully when you're sitting outside the door before you go in to do your audition, you're ready and you've had maybe a week and a half or a week's prep work that you've been doing yourself to make sure that you're giving mm. your A game when you go in there. Yeah. You know, um, and particularly if it's a job that you really, really would like. Over time, I'm probably going, on, yeah. going off to a tangent, but over time, as you... St- started going for audition even those nerves have you been able to manipulate them almost to your advantage over time or has that changed or I guess like you know um like you almost put on a role you know when you go in you're just like okay I am you know sort of into a mindset I there's no reason why I couldn't get this job like I've Mm. put in the work so I'm going to go in there and do my best it's kind of like look at if there's any little Mm. monkey on my shoulder saying oh god this is this is so awful look who else is here doing this audition why would they choose me you just have to sort of snap him on the head and and let him (laughs) let him go on take a hike for the next hour because um it's just so important and you kind of recognize that you're like just go in there and do your very best Mm. and and to remember that that's what the director and the producer if they're there that's what they want to see they want to see they want to see the person for the role walk in and, and do a good job. Oh, like and I that. feel like if I have done that and if I don't get the role, well, at least I know I've given it my all. And mm. there's been lots of different reasons why it may not have gone my way. Yeah. You know, but over the, with that monkey and it's mm. the voice, it's the gremlin, it's, it's in everybody's heads when, when we've talked to other people about having that just in whatever area, 
over time you've become more aware of it and, and able to like tell it to f off yeah would that be fair to say that you kind of say yeah it doesn't impact you anymore whereas probably in some of the early auditions it might have got the better of you at all with auditions like i really like to prepare and i, I think that gives me a confidence then okay. so when i am out you know going to an audition and if i feel i have put in the work um i'm less likely to entertain the monkey you okay. know but right. he might he might come up with other areas where i'm I could be just out socially or whatever and he's you know he or she arrives and you know but when I think when you've um, put in the work you're just less likely to entertain something like that because does it's yeah it's just not worth it does the monkey have a name maybe Matilda Matilda female, <laughs> the female monkey okay well now you've named it so now you know what it what, let's not bring her into the conversation she's not welcome she's actually outside there yeah, I can yeah, hear yeah. her yeah. Um, so go back to college right so right place again right time so you were reaffirmed what you sensed that weekend when you were down, everything was going in the right direction. Talk to maybe to me about some of the the standout moments, maybe during college, kind of breakthrough moments even. I remember in first year, I auditioned for The Odd Couple. Now, just when you asked me, that, that this just springs to mind, that's why I'm saying it. Yeah. But it, I, I auditioned for The Odd Couple and it was by Neil Simon and it was a female version of the play. And I auditioned for the role of Olive. And basically they're two housemates. One is really messy and one is really tidy. And uh, I think I auditioned for the girl that was really messy. And um, so I went for my audition, but like I didn't think any more of it. And next thing I know, I've, I've been cast in this role and it was it was one of the leads. And mm. I was really surprised. And you were in first year? Yeah, first oh. year in college. And I thought, wow, that's cool. And um, and so that was, it was just a lovely sort of a validation and, and um, mm. somebody who recognised maybe that I might be able to play this role. And um, and it went went very well. And then in second year, I auditioned for a role in Copenhagen by Michael Frayn. And this is one of my most favorite plays I've ever performed in because I just I just loved the play and I, I loved the experience of working with Sarah Jane Power, the director, who's now over in London working in the Royal Albert Hall. Wow. And um, it was just a really just a really um, rich experience, and uh, I loved the character and. Um, I was nominated that year for an ISDA award for best actress and like I'm, I'm saying this Rob because it, it just came as such a surprise to me I wasn't it was almost like I don't know I wasn't aware maybe that I had anything to offer acting you know mm. for me it was always just sort of a kind of a hobby and something sure. I enjoyed but as these things were happening I became to think more seriously about acting that maybe 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 there's something worthwhile thinking about here like maybe mm-hmm. I could do this like because I was beginning to realize that people do make a living out of this and in 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 class even in college um drama and theater studies whilst it was primarily quite an academic course there were elements of performance and practical work where we had to perform scenes that we were studying mm-hmm. and I always felt more at home on the floor acting out a scene as opposed to sitting around in a circle talking about it so I was beginning to realize that my strengths lay in the performance right. and um and and that's how I became to um, you know, discover that yeah, I I think I'd like to become a at least at least give it a go right. a professional actor. But it was all very very gradual, and um, mm. I certainly didn't start out college thinking that that was the route I was going to go. I thought ultimately I'd probably do a H dip and become a teacher. Did you have to start specialising in college then in in a specific area or that came after college? So okay. once I graduated um, from drama and theatre studies, I um I I auditioned for the Gaiety School of Acting in Dublin. And I initially auditioned for a part-time course and um, and that went very well. And I found out um, that a, a position became available on the full-time course and they asked if I'd be interested in that. And of course I was. And I talked to my parents and they 
very generously gave me the opportunity to pursue two years full time after training in the Gator School of Acting, which wow. is huge because it's obviously costly. Sure. But they, I guess, they recognised in me a real interest and a real passion to do this. And um, so, th- thanks to my parents, I had the opportunity to train for two years at the Gator School of Acting. And I, I knew, I knew, like in the in my bones, that this was right for me. And I was jumping on my bed with, with elation when I got when I was told that there was a place available in the full time course and I could do it. Right. And um, so I was really focused and driven once once the course started. And uh, a lot of the alumni from my class are all doing very very well. It was quite a successful year that I was okay. I was in. Sounds like everything was kind of going consistently in the right direction was there any points at all kind of where you had any setbacks or feelings that this mightn't work out or anything jump out or was it just plain sailing it's too easy of an interview if there's not a couple of yeah. bad things that came up like but god well um well i suppose genie um well, uh, going back to Cork, I guess, and coming down here was was quite daunting, as you say. And um, you know, I I was saying I was quite shy as a young child, and um, um, and you know, coming down to Cork was huge. And I think in hindsight, it was really good for me because I really found myself and I learned how to fend for myself. I didn't have mommy and daddy to come home to every night, um, and I I think I very much grew up in Cork and sort of. Yeah, be- began began the beginnings anyway of growing up to become an adult and to make my own decisions and to discover what it is I wanted to, to do. You know, when you're young and you're a teenager, your parents generally make the decisions for you. But mm. now I'm in college and I'm um, I'm having to do that. I guess I felt you know when I was in college, I kind of felt like I didn't quite fit in. You know, and um, down here, yeah, just okay. more like with. with in a social setting like just a small fish in a big pond and just seeing all this world happen around me and it's kind of daunting you know and I remember in in, in first year we ha- during Freshers Week there was a lady called Helen Prendergast and she was the student counsellor and she gave a talk called Who Am I? and I remember sitting in, in the lecture hall and listening to everything she said and everything she was saying ticked so many boxes for me I, I kind of feel all those things that she's saying mm. reluctantly I, I called up the student counselling and I, I just said I made an appointment to see Helen it was the best thing I ever did because like we were talking about Matilda before like the little monkey on your shoulder I think we all kind of experience that from time to time and I certainly felt that when I was in college in the early days just just starting out it was mm. it's a big thing for, for anybody Absolutely. starting out and particularly when you're so far away from home and just talking to Helen that day I, I really felt like myself and it was it was a lovely okay. feeling and I remember distinctly just talking about how you feel mm. is so important and um, it just made it made my college experience more rich and my experiences with people more rich and yeah. my friendships with people having talked to her it just helped me kind of get a sense of who I am as a person and not sure. to be afraid of Absolutely. who you are and if you want to be quiet it's okay to be quiet and you don't have to be the life and soul of the party it's mm. okay to you know yeah. just be quiet from time to time no definitely I think yeah. even just from my story I went to college in Dublin and yeah. I left after six months because I probably didn't talk it out and yeah. you know it was completely in the, the whatever small fish in a big pond or whatever yeah. that was as well so if I had probably talked about it more or it, it wouldn't have felt maybe such a, a daunting experience and um, probably picked the wrong course as well <laughs> yeah matter. yeah but um but no and, and I suppose once you do that and you gain the confidence and when you do hear stuff coming out of your mouth rather than rolling around the head it, yeah. it helps like so yeah like um yeah, yeah. so no. I think it's important you know with the, with the theme of one percent sure. better podcast to recognize if you feel uncomfortable or you know something's not quite right or all, 
there's all, all the all the evidence is there to have a to, to be having a very good time yet I'm, I just don't feel quite right within myself and just having reached out that time and to talk to her and know that she was there if ever I needed her again yeah. and it was a free service in college yeah. and that's what it was there for yeah. it was a wonderful support to have and I'm, I'm, I'm really glad um, that I did reach out and I, I and since then I, I, I would and will continue to sure. reach out if ever I feel like I just need just a neutral space to just yeah. sit down and trash something out mm-hmm. and uh, you feel all the better for it and I think it makes you stronger as well so yeah. that shy girl from you know Longford age 9, 10, 11 has grown up to maybe just to build up some resilience and strength which stands to me now in, in the career that I've chosen and mm-hmm. um, it's really important to be able to take the slings and arrows that are often yeah you know um, you often find in your direction yeah and just that is a question I was going to ask later but it's probably a good time to know you know when you do you get reviews and feedback from performances how, how do you take that on board or how do you deal with if it's not always five stars which I'm probably yeah, the sounds of things it's all pretty positive so far but how have you been able to internalise or, or to, to deal with any yeah. negativity I know it's inevitable that like every performance you're in is going to be reviewed and like press night on the opening night oh god talk about knots in your stomach there's definitely knots in my stomach on that night and uh, like my, again my shoulders drop like you know so much after an opening night because it's, you just feel like okay I can relax down and yeah. enjoy this show so on opening night, you know, there's, you know, 10 or 12 people in the audience with pens and papers in their laps and they're they're writing about it. And like as much as you would like to say, I, I don't read reviews, there's kind of no escaping it, especially these days in the digital age when yeah. you just see it on Twitter and Facebook, you know, and, and oftentimes it's worse when you don't hear anything, when nobody says anything, because then, you know, it must be bad, like cause otherwise mm. they would surely say, well done, <laughs> yeah. you know, so um. I sometimes I ring home and I say hello you know and if the reviews have been out and just to see if I can get a sense from the voice on the phone like if you know my mom mentions anything um that 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 sometimes that's the way I find out find out if it's if it's a good or bad but um yeah it's hard not to let it affect you like if, mm. if, if I if you've been in a show and it's it's got a really bad review it's you still have to go on and maybe perform for for weeks on end yeah. and so it's not good to have that in your head like you mm. really have to just block it out or just just to say I don't know just to put it push it to the side and just recognize or recognize or remember that you have a job to do and there's an audience coming in every night to see this play and you owe it to them and you owe it to the company mm. and you owe it to yourself to go out there and perform and not to let you know um you know a, a newspaper a column just you know to take all that away sure. all your hard work away yeah. and um because the the production keeps on growing with every with every night it grows mm. and, get, gets and gets more. better and better as well yeah like do they everybody performing probably has to deal with the same thing right so is there a connection between each other and sharing around how some people deal with some feedback better than others or is there any tools or techniques that you would do or just block it out try and block it? I don't even really like talking too much about reviews with, with other actors okay. when we're on the show because it it kind of just distracts you from what we're actually right. doing you know if you're putting so much importance on what the, you know what reviewers are saying and I, I know I, I, I recognise the job that they have to do as well it's really important mm. because it it, it, um, it publicises the show and it it gets bums on seats you know it's, yeah. it's very good and it's really really important but I don't think it's, I don't think it serves us well as a cast to be to be getting too sure. caught up in them yeah. um, and it's, it's good for them it's important for the marketing team alright they have to read them and, and you know to get those mm. those good quotes if they, hopefully if there is a good one liner in, in the review that can sell the show okay. maybe after a show it's, you can you can read them and uh, see, see what's what, how it was received but um you know what after a few days after the reviews you kind of just get on with it and you, yeah. it, it, it's pushed to the back of your mind and you sort of 
just yeah yeah move on you move on yeah yeah move on from that i don't want to bring any negativity (laughs) um after the two years in the gaiety yeah from there you came out of that what was you know what was in front of you then what were the kind of next big goals had you set yourself some targets at that stage or were you just waiting to see what was coming yeah well i couldn't wait to get started really um I suppose I was hoping to get an agent um, and yeah to get working and at, at the time a few members of my class were already kind of auditioning for things and uh, getting work so it was different for everybody at the time I was I also had a part-time job in Arnott's which I started when I when I when I started my after training so right. I had like I had a kind of security in, in, a, in a part-time job which was I think is really really important mm-hmm. just so you have a focus and you have a bit of few bob coming in as you sort of navigate the beginnings of an acting career which are no it's no easy feat yeah uh, no easy task uh shortly after graduating i i got a role in aikino uh lane productions right. putting it on okay. and i had worked with the company lane productions during my internship in ucc and um pat moylan who's the producer of lane productions would be friendly with my dad okay and um so that 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 was wonderful to have that connection there mm. and um I was whilst I was also I was performing in in Aikino, I was also helping out with the costumes and um the hair and that kind of thing, right. which was you know I, I really enjoyed it. Really good experience, roles. so you yeah. get an appreciation for all the different aspects of a production. What was the first big break you, you got? For me, definitely was uh, being cast as Joe in Little Women at the Gate. Okay, that's definitely a huge standout. Uh, I I just felt like I'm an actor now. I felt right. like a really professional actor, um, being cast in in, in that role in in that particular theatre because I've such. Okay. You know, you know I, I love the gate and I, I've been to the gate many times mm. as a student actor to see plays and uh, always came away totally inspired and was that a long run it was yeah it ran from um, we started rehearsals I think at the end of October the play started at the end of November and would have ran this is in 2011 and would have ran from the end of November up until early February okay. and um, I remember like it's thanks to Alan Stanford the director and he you might know him as well from Glenrow he plays mm. George in Glenrow mm-hmm. Um he's been wonderful to me uh, right up until now like he's he continues to be a huge part of my life and um he saw me in a play uh first of all in cobalt cafe in dublin it was called walnuts remind me of my mother and it was on during the dublin gay theater festival and he knew somebody in the cast so that's why he was there and um you know he really liked the play and so that was my first meeting with him and then he came to see me in a play called tick in the focus theater in dublin and he was going with a friend who was going to see the play so only for that he may not have seen this play right but again he was he really enjoyed it and um about two weeks later we met up for a coffee and he, alan's very good and that he really mentors young actors that he, he mm. sees potential in i guess and um uh so thanks to him he got my name on a list of actors to be considered for the role of joe in little women at the gate and um so i had an audition and that went well and then i had a call back where and in the callback, Michael Colgan, the artistic director of the Gate at the time, he would he would be at the callback, and um, and the uh, the head of production, Tirith Chung, was also there. And this audition was on the stage, right. and um, I was auditioning with uh, another actor, and that went well. At the time, I'd been planning on going on the Camino de Portuguese. It's, mm. a, it's a walk that you can do. Mm. Um, it's a very popular route uh, from Porto in Portugal to Santiago, and so this was all planned. So after my second audition, it wasn't long before I was on my flight to head off to do this walk. Okay. But whilst I was on the walk, I was thinking, God, I wonder, like, I wonder how I got on. And about maybe four or five days into the walk, I got this phone call. I was up in some mountains <laughs> with, with Jose and Miguel, these two people I was walking with, right. uh, two older men from, I think, Spain. And um, I got this call from uh, the assistant to the head of production 
to let me know that I got the part. Whoa. And it was it was just incredible. It was it was one of the happiest moments of my life, mm. and uh, it was huge for me because I just felt, wow, this is incredible. What a break playing the lead in this production at the gate, working with professional actors, actors I'd seen on stage, yeah. wonderful director you know production huge. team second to none and just the standards so so high so it was huge and you know I, I didn't tell my parents until I got home for the Camino because I wanted to see their faces and right. uh, um, because I knew they'd be delighted for me yeah. so that's definitely a standout and, okay. and uh, a huge uh, turning point I guess in my career as an actor and also around the same time Fair City came mm. you know yeah. came calling and um, that, that, that all happened that's where you really got was known across the country right so yeah. when you were in, in that and you had a very big role in, yes. in that for for how long were you in Spurs City? For? Uh, the course of eight months really eight months. yeah first tv role effectively was it yes yeah how did you find the the type of acting in tv versus what had always seemed to be on the stage beforehand so there's obviously mm. a difference what, what would you yeah what would you say the differences were what what led you to one over the other was there any preference uh, well acting for camera is just more naturalistic I guess and you don't have to be as expressive or as big or you just have to trust that the camera picks up every little nuance every little gesture or every little eye move or um, look you know and all you all you have to do almost is just think the thought and trust that the, the act camera will pick it up okay. um, whereas at stage it's way more expressive you have to reach the back row so you have to mm. really you just be yeah use your eyes your your voice even whereas with camera yeah it's just a little, it's way more natural and uh, you don't have to to uh, be so big with your performance do you consciously <clears> tone <throat> it down a little bit then so in in tv when yes. you're, you're for, for cameras right? yeah definitely okay. yeah yeah but the whole atmosphere on the set would lend itself to that anyway okay. you know it's, it's a really it's kind of an intimate environment it's just quiet and everybody's quiet because they have to be because the camera picks up every little sound yeah so you're re- that really um you know that really helps was that a different type of experience though? Was it a different level of, of daunt, dauntingness of whatever that word might be as you went into Fair City at the start mm-hmm. compared to being on the stage? Yeah, yeah. I guess I gradually found my feet with it. You know, you, you know, for my first early scenes, if I was to look back, I'd say, oh my God, I was way too big there. I was trying way too hard. But right. as I got more comfortable with the camera and more comfortable with the role, mm. um, I, 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 I sort of got a sense of what, what's, what what works and what you know, what I need to do and uh, and not do. Um, I I really 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 enjoyed it and it was a great character to play. Yeah, a really good character. Like she really guts about her, really neat and mm. a really interesting storyline and backstory. You know, she was quite mysterious and and uh, she didn't give too much away. So yeah. she kept the audience guessing all the time, and I loved that. And I loved the duplicity between her being so sweet and nice to people, and then behind mm. the scenes she could just be just turn it on and be just downright nasty to people and uh, that was lovely to play that kind of you know it's almost like the the two faces of the drama icon you know the the happy face and the sad face Mm. and um, I I love that when you have a playing a character that is you know has such a rich uh, backstory and when you got the role how how far ahead did you know that character's story was developing do you even only yeah. learned that a couple of weeks in advance sort of thing or did you know this was going to be a meaty character when you got into the role? I did kind of like um, I, I had auditioned um, for an, an, another role in Fair City about a year before Lucy arrived and I got down to the final stages but it didn't go my way and okay. at the time it was you know very disappointing but now in hindsight I know that this character of Lucy was way more suited to, right. to, to me Meant I think to be, yeah. yeah and so I met with the story coordinator 
um, and he he explained all about the the character and what they had in mind for her and I, I loved the sound of it and that it was going to be quite a quite a big storyline you know they say they have kind of ABC storylines in, in soap I think and this was going to be very much an A story yeah. it was a huge opportunity and I was thrilled to be to be approached about it when when an actor comes in to play a character inevitably the story writers will be watching the, the soap and they see things that you might be doing or they, an idea is occurred to the story writer so they start sort of writing Tweaking with you in mind then because they, they see the character in action okay. and, they, and they take her down different roads and um, so it's it's just as exciting for the story team as it is mm. for the actor performing but um, but yeah there, there was a there was a, a storyline there um, yeah. mm-hmm. it's great though it showed your diversity I suppose from, from that role to compared to the theatre that you could yeah. kind of wear both hats and it's good for your further development I suppose oh, as well yeah yeah so after after Fair City as we're kind of moving up the timeline what was the next big standout uh, opportunity for you that you'd like to maybe discuss or talk about? The, the Gate has been huge for me. I've, I've had the opportunity to work there many times now since, mm. since 2011, since that time playing Joe. And I'm ever so grateful and so appreciative for all those opportunities because, you know, it's not lost on me how, how wonderful it is to work in that theatre, and particularly under Michael Colgan when he was there. I have such admiration for him and, um, you know, the belief he had, has had in me and mm. continues to have in me. Is, it means so much and um and I've got to play really really good characters there and and also at the gate they're quite long runs so you really get a chance to be on stage for a long period of time working with wonderful people yeah. and um you know and that's you you learn so much on the job so I've had wonderful opportunities at the, at the gate and also another standout um I guess role would be playing uh, the role of Eve in Dare to Be Wild which was my first feature film mm. and even how that came about was was just surreal I went in initially to audition for a, a smaller role like a cameo role in it and uh, when I went into the audition room, I recognised a girl which, who was sitting beside the casting director straight away, and her name was Matilde. And we'd we'd met. Um, That's your monkey. I oh, know, no, no. Yes, no. This is a lovely. This is a very nice Matilde. Uh, we met at an acting for camera course in Barcelona about four years previous. Okay. And I, you know, I wasn't to know, to know that she was going to be an assistant to the director on this film, so it was just incredible. And we said, "Well, hello. We must meet up after, you know, because she was obviously going to be in Dublin for a while with, mm. with the film, and." Um, before the coffee happened she got in touch and said look it we'd, we'd love you to audition for this other role in the film um, it, her name is Eve and she's she's uh, Mary's best friend in the film and this was a lead supporting role okay. and I thought wow so she sent me the scenes and she said look we really need you to get them into us ASAP um, and this say this was a Friday that mm. I, I got Friday night she was she was emailing me um, that Saturday myself and my friend Rose uh, together with her iPhone recorded three different scenes uh, that were sent to me wow. and only for Rose like she was such a godsend that day and uh, we sent them in and next thing I know I'm standing in the director's apartment in Dublin on the Sunday Jeez, yeah. the next day oh the next day it was oh, it was like it was pinch yourself stuff in a way uh, probably good though that you didn't have much time to no, think about it not at no? all no, it was just no, like this, right. something's going to happen here now and yeah, I'm going to yeah. wake up and this but uh, she was she was she thought that I was a good fish for the character and uh, asked me about my agent and you know kind of how we can get the ball rolling so the Monday uh, they were talking to my agent and organising contracts and wow. next thing I know I'm getting my hair dyed brown to you know be quite different Jesus. to the girl who's playing Mary it was just incredible and that weekend I was due to go home to Longford uh, my whole family were home and uh, I, I remember I was in the bus station ready to get on a bus when Matilda rang and said look at, are you in Dublin we'd love you to come down and meet the director and this was the Sunday yeah. so I said yeah sure absolutely so I hightailed it down to mm. the director's apartment I knew my family would understand say, and yeah. um, and then I couldn't wait to get home and to share the news and they were all assembled in the sitting room and I said look I think something amazing is going to happen and um, they were delighted for me cool yeah so that, that was another standout just working 
on a feature film Treasure Entertainment were behind it they're known for lots of really famous films like Handsome Devil Viva okay. and uh, The Stag so I knew I was in yeah. really really good hands you know wow. and it's a beautiful film it's a really uplifting uh, heartwarming true story about a woman called Mary Reynolds who won the Chelsea Flower Show in 2002 mm. so it's it's loosely based on, on her story okay. the character I play was fictional but they had to have some artistic license to, sure. to make a film of course um, and how long of a shoot was the movie like that's your first film so how yeah. different was that from from the others that you've you're obviously the theatre and TV was it massively different how you prepared for it yeah um, anything stand out that you learned from it I was kind of booked I suppose for about maybe the five weeks of maybe the shoot and I wasn't needed all the time so when I wasn't needed I I, I, I would know the order of the scenes that I was going to be filming so I guess you just take them scene by scene so you're you know prioritise so I, I guess I'd be working on my obviously my lines and kind of have an, a rough idea of what I might be doing. My character was a chef, for example. So I might, you know, I remember working out like what action I might be doing in the kitchen before my scene. Okay. But then you'd arrive to set and there'd be somebody there who would be able to help you, like somebody who really okay. works in a kitchen and they can right. give you ideas. So what you might have prepared just kind of goes down the sink and you're okay. actually doing something else. Right. And um, But all those things are so important because continuity is so important in film. Mm. You know, I can't be, you know, putting tops on marshmallows and then like cutting up sausages in the next scene. You would hope not. In some films they still do. (laughs) You know, and even in Fair City, that was great training for me because my character Lucy worked in the Hungry Pig restaurant. So I needed to work out, like it moved so fast in Fair City that I needed to know myself what business I'm going to do in the scene like if I'm wiping the counter talking yeah, to the character yeah. or if I'm going to be like Keep you know but put burgers on the on the oven as I'm talking yeah. all that is so important and it makes you feel more real yeah. as opposed to standing there like sure. and, you know yeah, going yeah, the yeah. easy way out you want to make it more colourful for yourself even and more interesting yeah. so um, that yeah that was that was that was uh, definitely a good a good standout yeah. experience oh yeah Great. big time so you've done all three then at this stage what else after that Maybe even talk about the the award you won last yeah. year because we're getting up close to around that now. Yeah. What, what was that about her? Was that God, a big surprise? Huge surprise, like yeah. a massive surprise. Absolutely, I thought it was a mistake, and I'm not joking. Honest yeah. to God, like I I remember cycling in the city in Dublin. I must have been coming away from somewhere, and my friend Rebecca texted me and said, oh, "Congratulations on the stellar nomination." And I said, "What? What stellar? What is she talking about?" I said maybe it's the wrong text maybe she meant to send it to somebody else all this has gone on in my head like, what? so I went into a magazine or into a magazine I went into a shop and I looked at the seller magazine and sure enough there uh, actually no not into a no that's a lie I looked it up online that was okay. it and I saw my name there under nominated actresses and I I really couldn't believe it because it was during a period that it was kind of quiet acting wise for me mm. and I didn't think I was thinking why would the, why what, what are they basing it on like yeah. I'm not doing anything at the moment so it was, it was really lovely and, and what, um, what play what, what acting was it it was for? just in general, oh, in general? Rob, okay, just in general cool. I think okay. then the penny dropped and I realised okay this is actually true this is happening and it was lovely and um, and then I remember the, the week of the actual awards I got a text from one of the organisers saying look we really hope you're going to be there on Friday night we, th- we think you'll be glad you, you come along oh, <laughs> like, is this what, what they do with Oscars and stuff I like that so. I was like, surely not like, and I'm not I'm not being like all you know go, trying to be all false modesty not at all I genuinely right. was like shocked hmm. um, and so um, who's your competition do you know who was in the category with you oh my god Saoirse Ronan was at the oh, category wow. like, for god's sake like, seriously so I don't know I think you know what it was probably all long for people voting cause was she there on the night for she wasn't no, no no no, no, she didn't give you but, the dagger um, eyes as you no. were walking up. But like uh, when when my family got wind of it, like I think Elaine, my sister, sent word around. So I'd say they yeah. drummed up lots of votes. 
but it was lovely and it was it came at a really nice time because like I was saying the end of last year was kind of quiet acting wise and it was just a really nice pick me up Absolutely. to get that, that validation and that recognition Great. you know Great it's really nice yeah, yeah congratulations yeah. award winning actress or actor, <laughs> actor sorry directors then a question around that we've kind of gone through most of the career now so we're going to get into a few random type questions but how, how important are directors on plays or TVs like obviously I, I've not obviously I've listened to other actors on TV and stuff talking about some directors just let them off and do their own thing others are very involved yeah. have you yeah. seen both sides which is, is it you know is there any specific standout way that works yeah. best yeah oh I, I my experience with directors has been has been wonderful and um like most recently with Patrick, I'd worked with Patrick last year as well on the importance of being earnest. Mm. And um, oh, he's he's just such a lovely, calm director, and uh, he never he never loses it. Like you just feel so so um, you just feel like he has got everything under control, which is a, a lovely feeling to have in, in a rehearsal room when mm. you're in that presence, you know. And uh, you know if he's not saying anything to you, you know it's it's because it's working, and he doesn't need to say anything. But he'll say something if he might give a little suggestion or um, maybe just a little. Uh, recommendations to just take a little beat before you say that word and inevitably it will actually elicit a laugh and he's, right. he's bang on you know he, he understands the, the comedy mm. um i guess for, with patrick he very much you know early on in the rehearsal process he just lets you find it yourself he doesn't bed anything down or or direct you to come in a certain way just just play and just see what feels right and what feels natural mm-hmm. and uh, and and that way then it, 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 that that's that, I think that's probably the best way because you don't want to start doing something that doesn't feel right mm. um, physically, and okay. and it's it's a collaborative you know experience. If something's not working, you say it to them and you right. you iron it out, and that's what rehearsal is for. Um, but there, have you seen directors where they're very much do it this way and not give you that ability to, mm-hmm. to push back and say actually I think more comfortable this way Does yeah that happen? not so far okay it, it, I, I you know I've worked with directors and sometimes I've worked with the same director a few times so mm. like Alan Stanford I've worked with and uh, he's I, I you know he's the same like he just gives you great great freedom and uh, he you know what I think Alan's approach is almost like he he's such a wealth of knowledge similar to Patrick like they just create the scene and they create the atmosphere or they set up the context of the scene or what was happening in the world of the play at that time so you're listening to all this and you're taking it all in and it's getting into your body and your bones and you're getting a real sense of the character, what they might feel. So the world is created. So you're going to feel at home on, on, the, on the stage space. And um, and then you'll start, I don't know, you'll start making moves or actions or decisions based mm-hmm. on all that information that you have in your head. And I guess they, they, they trust in you as a professional actor that you know what you're about. You're not going to be like, mm-hmm. you know, all fingers and thumbs and walking around the space walking into the furniture yeah. that you have some sense of um, uh, an awareness of what this sure. character might be feeling and you understand the play and you've read it so um, it, it, like again it's, it's a collaborative experience yeah. and I've worked on, um, on a play called Tick a few years ago the one that Alan came to see I think it was back in 2010 2011 and that was very much a Stanislavski approach and Stanislavski is like you really like you break down the script bit by bit and you go through all the lines and you almost add a verb to what you, what you might be trying to do with that line as in I attack him with this line or I pull back on this line right. or I'm coy with this line and, and and that really worked for that play and as a result of, of really analysing and dissecting the script like doing a lot of table work for the, for the, for the first week of rehearsals um, it just I don't know it just gave the, the performance a real I don't know a, a really it was really rooted in, okay. in absolute truth and that's what Stanislavski is it's very much you know, uh, yeah, getting to the truth of the scene and uh, creating all the mm. imaginary circumstances. Interesting. 
something I hadn't heard before Stanislavski I'll definitely read a bit about that how important is the I guess the camaraderie and the teamwork with the people that you're working with do you get a real sense of a team togetherness and and build that up over time does that obviously then add to the the performance I often find myself in casts where I've I've worked with maybe half of the cast or we we know one another or we've seen each other's work and that kind of thing so there's familiarity there and also having worked at the gate like I was saying they're quite long runs so you really get to know the cast very well Mm. and um you know, if it's a long run, oftentimes there's, there's little um, uh, events or, uh, you know, activities organised backstage to just create a good group ensemble. For example, at the gate, they have wine tasting, they table tennis tournaments, or guess okay. the baby competitions. People guess are baking. Yeah. Okay. You know, um, people are bringing in cakes and buns and things. So there's a lovely kind of family sense. An ensemble is very, very important to have a strong ensemble. And uh, if there's one person maybe that's just out of sync with with yeah. the, the dynamic of a group it has it has a, a rippling effect of okay. course it does mm. so um yeah but it's it's important to recognize that we're all individual and we all have our own way of approaching a role and that kind of thing and i think i think the best way to approach it is just to respect everyone's everyone's approach and just to do what you can for what you need to do for your role yeah but just remember it's it's an ensemble and we all want we all want the production to be a success so it's sure. just to work together yeah no it's like a, like, like a football team you know a yeah. team of individuals sometimes don't do so well even if they're the best individuals but uh, not working together as a, yeah. a collective you know they don't maybe not be successful as well mm. what would your signature kind of strength be as a, an actor uh, is there anything that jumps out as you look back maybe if not your signature strength if you don't want to kind of call that out yeah. is there a specific type of role you love to play or, or would love to play maybe? similar maybe to Lucy Malden University I love I love a character that is mystery and um, schizophrenic type yeah I do I, I love those kind of <laughs> complex characters and uh, because there's obviously a reason for them being like that mm. and um, I, I I love that like as opposed to just playing kind of a one-dimensional character where it you know it's fine but maybe you don't want, you're not really I don't know intrigued by them but yeah. there was something about Lucy Mallon that really stood out and sort of gripped the nation's attention yeah. and mine as well and kept me guessing and I was dying to read the script to see what was she going to do next mm. so um I, I really do I love those kind of dark psychological characters even with Tick that play I was talking about where we, we approached it with the Stanislavski method that was about a lady in the 1800s who had Tourette's and wow. uh, so that was a kind of a physical challenge as well as um, you know just performing a character mm. in, 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 with Tourette's it was, yeah it was um, and I and I loved that I, I relished that so you had Tourette's in the role yes okay, yeah cool. yeah yeah and and we, we did lots okay. of research yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. We t- I talked to a person who has Tourette's and um, we had somebody come in a parent of somebody who tried to speak to us and so we did loads of research and that's that's a real gift you know sure. because you get a chance to be step into the shoes of somebody like that and see what it's like and um and uh yeah like acting is incredible like it is kind of magical at times because you sort of surprise yourself of sometimes what you're you're capable of or if you put in the work how how it'll just happen mm. sort of it'll just organically yeah. All, all, all the pieces will align. All your pre- research and preparation, and suddenly when it comes to performance, it's all, it's all there, you know. Mm. And you just let it, you let it fly. And then there's nights as well where it's a bit dead, and you're like, oh god, I didn't feel it tonight. Yeah. But um, do you have a set approach for how you prepare for a role? Um, I know mm. sometimes you might get a, a longer window to prepare than another, but is there something like I have to do three hours a day for two or three weeks to get some level of comfort in it, or do you find different roles? easier to ramp up into um i guess my approach would be i'd you know the script is always uh i'd always go there for first and and 
and read it a, a few times and mm. then just very much uh, an eye out for what's said about my character and um, and uh, in terms of maybe then learning the lines or preparation I just break it down into the scenes and just take it scene by scene and uh, le- learn it maybe scene by scene and also then to support that I'd, I'd do my own kind of research just to kind of get a sense of what the world of the play if it's like set in the 1930s like Private Lives or mm. you know maybe just see what was happening around that time or right. the music of that time the costume of that time mm. uh, listen to documentaries listen to Noel Coward himself speak of his, about his thoughts on the play mm. um, and yeah just loads of research like even with, with the play about Tourette's like just at, at that time I was I was listening to YouTube clips of people with Tourette's and I was watching them and I could see the Tourette's happening in, manifest themselves in their bodies and seeing yeah. it and, and reading about it and uh, yeah just taking it all in and I, I do that with with any role I play uh, even when with, with Lucy you know initially she started off having had a cornea transplant so at the time I was looking at cornea transplants and what's involved in that mm. just anything that can kind of just just support your work you know mm. you, you may not use it but it's there yeah. it's there it's somewhere in your unconscious maybe having read it Is there any role that you haven't done that you would love to do that maybe aligns with that kind of multiple angled personality or you know from a from a play or from a movie that you've seen that you'd love to say that would be a role I'd love to uh, yeah to try. no one character springs to mind when I say oh I've always wanted to play this character right I'm I don't have that like I'm just very much open to open. Uh, yeah to all all opportunities all roles and I'd like to think that I, I'm versatile enough to be able to go from comedy to darkness to yeah. you know to light to drama to, to TV to film to theatre mm. you know wh- whatever it is I'm I'm kind of open to all opportunities I, yeah. I don't narrow, narrow myself down um, but there hasn't really been an area you've mentioned all those areas is there any specific area you, you feel you haven't played a role in yet so you, you talked about comedy darkness you know, mm. humor. Is there any area that you haven't had the opportunity to play in yet? Anything stick out? For example, I play. I was in a play called The Games People Play with Rise Productions. It was myself and Angus Oak McAnally, and I really enjoyed that because it was set in modern times, and it's about a couple, um, you know, and they they bought in really good times, and um, and next thing they know, it's the economy has crashed, and they're struggling financially. They have a young child, and you know, they're kind of nitpicking at one another and right. over petty little things, and mm. all is not right. And um, but it was a brilliant play to be in because we myself and Angus noticed that the audience would be sitting in the auditorium after the play talking about how they could relate to this couple or how they they remind are the couple on stage reminds them of their their son or daughter yeah. or that kind of thing. So I I love that about theatre how it, it can just encourage debate and conversation. You know it's a safe place on stage because you can act out a scene that might be very um, pertinent to somebody in the audience. Mm. But and they and they they've they're there in a safe environment watching it but it might help just to start a conversation afterwards so i'd like to do more of that i think more maybe modern maybe modern plays okay. and but but tackling real life issues you know and to encourage talk afterwards okay. that kind of thing because i think that's really important i think that's what's so powerful about theater yeah yeah people connect to real mm. stories for yeah, sure yeah yeah we're going to just go into a few kind of last few questions and this is maybe again some some of the the tips and tricks that might make you successful that others can, can apply in whatever way of life it is um, do you have or would you have a set of good habits or any bad habits that you, you, you have 
Good habits. Um, well, I guess um, exercise plays a huge part of my life. And uh, since joining the running club in Cork, yeah. um, I um, was promoted to a long distance runner when I came to Dublin. I joined the running club in Turin, your sports world. And uh, I, yeah, I ran more longer distances. And um, yeah, so running continues to be a huge part of my life. So every morning I'd, I'd start with a, with a run. Mm. I think that's a, a good habit. And as a result of kind of running and exercising, I tend to make, I guess, healthy uh, decisions with regard to diet and uh, sure. you know my lifestyle in general um, and I think that's good as well because it complements maybe the, the the career I've chosen you know mm-hmm. another good habit I guess I'd be quite organised and fairly on top of things you know in terms of you know if any emails come in that kind of thing uh, or if I have to do any prep work for an audition or if I have to keep my biog updated with my agency that kind of thing I tend to be quite good on keeping on top of those things because there's so many elements in my career that you cannot control or you've no control over yeah. I, I, I try to be uh, on control top of things can. I can control yeah. when you make decisions like have you had any tough decisions to make over the last number of years and if so how do you come to picking one or the other anything around decision making come up yeah um, well there was a time when I was up for a role in a play and a role in a film and they um, both were wonderful opportunities and the role in the play um, went my way okay. I, I was cast and um, before my agent sort of gave the confirmation that I'd definitely be taking the role um, they were checking in with the, the guys that, who were working on the film to see like where did, where did I stand with regard to being cast okay. and my agent was told like, that they were very very much interested but weren't in a position at the time to say yay or nay because other decisions had to be made mm. and this was going to be a massive film and that huge stars attached to it well. and everything like that but I had to kind of make the decision, you know, I can't leave this theatre company on hold. You know, this is a wonderful opportunity and I don't want to be just, I, don't, I didn't like the idea of just keeping them waiting. I wanted to let them know. And uh, so I had to make a decision of, you know, OK, I, I'll, I'll take myself away from the running for this film role okay. and uh, say yes to the to the theatre role. Right. And I, I tried my best to, to make the two work if, if possible at all, you know, hmm. but it wasn't going to be, wasn't going to be possible. And um, so that, that was, that was a, that was a big decision because the, the film went on to do very, very well and everything. But I may not have been cast, but yeah, all yeah. I knew was that they, I was being seriously considered for, for a role. You're in the mix. But I yeah. guess once you make your mind up, you weighed up the options. Yes. You're not, I would imagine, somebody that would regret, that would no. look back. No, no, not at all. No, no. Yeah. No. It was a very nice position to be in yeah, in the first yeah. place, you know. Yeah. And, no. um, yeah. Cool. How do you approach goal setting and you know do you have like a set of targets or goals that you want to work towards that I guess I find when you say something out loud you're a lot more likely to actually achieve it so do you have an approach for for, uh, setting yourself goals and working towards it Um, well usually at the end of every year well in recent times anyway um, I've downloaded a kind of a list of questions from the internet and they kind of encourage you to think about the year gone by and the year ahead right you know so I tend to do it on maybe just coming up to New Year's Eve mm. so it's a good way of just kind of you know thinking back on the year and ask questions like you know what went well what could have gone better mm. you know if you were to pick a theme for the year what would it be and it just gets you thinking yeah. about the year and then going looking forward what would you what do you hope to achieve what would you like to do better uh, what areas could you work on more that kind of thing so I, I'd do that um um, at, at around New Year's Eve time and, and that, that's really it's a really lovely way to start the year because it just yeah. sort of I don't know it just focuses the mind on what you want to achieve also I, I also kind of have a diary always close by and it's just I just keep track of, of things I need to do 
and um, I'd write down kind of all the things I need to do and then maybe just divide it into, you know, what do I need to do now, maybe in the short term, medium term, mm-hmm. long term, and then just what, ideally what I'd like to do. And that just, it just sort of breaks things down and makes things more achievable, I guess, and you get great satisfaction then of ticking things off. That's it. And uh, usually it's it's all to do with my career yeah. because acting is it's kind of all consuming at times when you're, when you're in it because when you're not working, it even becomes even more consuming because you're, you know, working so hard to try and generate work for yourself, wondering what can I do yeah. to, to maximise my chances of getting more work. Yeah. I think the, the more you write those sort of things down, even if it does sound a bit outrageous or whatever, there's much more likelihood of it happening than yeah. if you don't imagine it, you know? Um, yes, yeah. A lot of people from doing bits and pieces that like that myself, it then is, it's kind of very, very weird when it actually does happen and it comes true and it's that law of attraction type thing that I won't go into too much detail on, but yeah. definitely getting it out there and uh, writing it down somewhere makes it a bit more real for sure. So Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Advice. What's the best piece of advice you've ever been given or is there such a thing or is there multiple pieces that might have come your way that sticks in your mind? Just in general, advice is just to never lose sight of who you are as a person. You know, like don't try to be somebody you're not. And, um, and I think that's that that that's wonderful attribute to have in anybody, you know, to just have a really strong sense of yourself. And I think that immediately puts people at ease. You know, if you're if you're just tr- true to yourself and you have a certain, you know, you have a, a way of being and you have certain values that you live by and stand by. Mm-hmm. I think that's very admirable in, in a person. So um, regardless of whatever you're doing in life, just to stay true to to who you are and, and, and you won't go too far wrong. And, and your decisions will be based on those your your way of living and your, what your values are mm. and um and and life will be all the more i guess i don't know fulfilling and rich as a result yeah i think uh, values are very important it's difficult to, to to actually over the last few years can get more into identifying what they are have you mm. ever done an exercise of figuring out what your kind of core set of values are yeah well I guess coming on here, I did a little bit of oh, thinking really? about okay, it. You know, I cool. just thought, you know, because I knew, I know you some, talk about some that. Some value coming out of it there. Already, <laughs> yeah. yeah, but it's a lo- it's a lovely thing to do. I know I value um, truthfulness and honesty and sincerity. I love that in a person when sort of what you see is what you get. There's no pretense or there's no mask, and you know, like that they're being absolutely true, even if there's what they're saying you don't entirely agree with but mm-hmm. you know at least you can respect it because you know yeah. it's coming from a place of sincere conviction on that person's part yeah and um i value just integrity somebody who really keeps their word mm-hmm. and uh, you can rely on you don't have to ask somebody twice to do something you know i think that's yeah that i think i really really admire that i think that's a lovely trait to have mm-hmm. in person and i also value my my, my freedom you know I, I love just freedom Value. yeah good i'm glad i'm glad you had time to reflect on that because I, I think it's it's very important to, to have it the freedom one i was gonna ask a question if you were if you weren't an actor yes getting it right this time what else what would you be a school teacher do you think or is there something else that you would have liked to have pursued um like i i i i love um well like i love helping people you know and i, I love i love i love when i'm teaching drama to young kids even just seeing seeing it firsthand, how it brings people out of themselves and seeing the, the joy on their faces and the laughter and just forgetting themselves and, and saying things that they didn't think they could say and just cracking each other up. That's lovely and it's very rewarding and very satisfying. So mm-hmm. I think it probably would be maybe even teaching drama, maybe just pursuing that 
that more. Yeah. And um, and even just using drama as a way to even work with groups that might be, you know, struggling with something or mm. to, to be able to use that as, as a safe way to explore a, a tricky subject because that, that happens a lot. You know, yeah. people do use drama and um, and it's very effective. So, mm. I mean, I, I've been interested in drama therapy as well as something to maybe study. Yeah. And uh, they, they have a course in Maynooth and I've looked into it. Um, but just not right now because it's it's a huge time commitment. Mm. But it's it's definitely something I know I'd be interested in yeah. because it would you know I'd be using my skills in drama. Yeah, they wouldn't be going to waste at all. Mm. But and I'd also be um, you know, tapping into my interest in kind of helping people. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, it's like as you were saying, I was joining the dots of your values and what you you kind of thought you might have been when you were younger. So you're teaching, yeah, drama which you love and helping people all at the same time. So it's yeah. it's funny when you talk through your, your life story and your journey some of the things you might have wanted to have done early on you could still end up doing them tied into you know into acting into drama I think one of the ladies I talked to on the show a couple of weeks ago she had a similar story where where she got into to coaching but she left her job working uh, for a, a restaurant corporation but she started coaching people on becoming better restaurateurs oh, so it's wow. kind of combining the both together yes. and yes. she didn't see that happening until she left the job and then realised what, what what do I really like doing I yeah. love restaurants I like coaching people do both together so similar kind of yeah. potential and something when that project, happens like, yeah, yeah it yeah, is yeah. No, yeah. It, yeah. then it kind of means it's the right thing or the right place you're probably going to so yeah. interesting just two, two more success then is a, is a word I always like to bring up everybody has a different view what would success or what does success look like for for Lorna Quinn success for me looks like uh, making the bus (laughs) that's success getting through this interview (laughs) relatively unscathed you're nearly there oh god or success means that the listeners are still listening right now don't worry god I think similar to what you're even doing now Rob you know you're pursuing an interest like this podcast series is wonderful and you recognise in yourself like I'd like to give this a shot and you know why not give it a shot Mm -hmm. and I really admire that like just going for it and doing it and as opposed to just humming and hawing about something and um, and, 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 and being years later saying oh, I never actually did that I success to me is people following their, their dreams and their passions in life and I know that's not always easy like it's easy just to say that sometimes there's lots of different things that mean people can't you know the different commitments or there's just a financial um, mm. you know reasons that they can't they just have to keep in their job and they might love to be just doing like being a painter but they have to do the day job so I, I totally get that being true to who you are that's that's success for me mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. uh meeting a person who is so at home in themselves no matter what they're doing like no matter what they're doing but just when you meet that person you know that they're very rooted and centered in who they are because i think when you have that you're able for anything yeah no, i like uh, i like the the angle on success nice nice answer last one so if you could and normally it's a movie or a, a book but throw in a, in a in a play is there any favorite one of those three that you could maybe recommend um for for somebody to mm. potentially see or, or read if it's a book yeah. and any reason any reason one sticks out uh well for acting maybe if there's any aspiring actors out there um there's a book called about acting by peter barkworth and yeah. it's it's definitely uh, by my side every time I'm in a play because it just okay. has lots of practical tips and advice. For example, one that I always remember is, you know, he says that if you've rehearsed well, 
trust that the performance will be there each night so even if you come off stage and you feel like oh I wasn't there tonight or didn't yeah, yeah, yeah. feel good to trust that if you've if you've rehearsed well it won't be too far off mm. what, 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 what's been in the rehearsal room what else I've read I read a book called The Law of Attraction by Abraham Hicks I think it's over there oh yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah that was I really enjoyed that and it's definitely one that's highlighted a lot in my you know in my room and uh I was given it over. I was given it over Christmas, and um, I read it, and, and I sometimes credit it to getting the part of Sybil in Private Lives because I maybe I was just really building myself up into a very positive frame of mind, cool. you know. Yeah. Um, and that's no bad thing. No, absolutely. I, I do not. like to read, uh, you know, material that just makes me have a more positive outlook on life, you know. Yeah. Um, I, there's an also a book called Actors' Voices by Patrick O'Kane, and he's just interviewed lots of different people in the arts. And uh, I, I love that. I'm really interested to hear like about people's approach to actors or or to acting or the you know, the performance itself mm. or how they take reviews and I just find it really interesting and really insightful cool. uh, to to read that. Um so hope that's helpful. There's some good tips. Before we wrap up, mm-hmm. give a little plug about you, how anyone could get in touch with you what you're looking for from the next role <laughs> oh, and then what year you predict uh, Oscar domination all right okay in, in whatever order <laughs> you want to go there so. oh dear uh, well I've I have a website lornaquinn.com uh, I, I am on social media but I'm, I'm not hugely active on it but if you wanted to find me on Twitter it's Lorna M. Quinn Lorna M. Quinn yes and uh, for Matilda is it or oh jeez <laughs> Matilda's re- I didn't realise she was such a big oh, part of my life oh, she's rising again yeah uh, <laughs> Um, for monkey okay yeah. okay and um and then oscar will probably happen oh god what do we say five ten years yeah in between somewhere <laughs> somewhere yeah. like if you could organize that that'd be great yeah, yeah, all yeah. Your well, you never know who, who might hear hear this yeah like, you know and they can check you out and you have stuff online that people can watch I yes indeed well. yeah, yeah yeah next role just you know i'm i'm just very excited about whatever that will be Um, you know as i said before i'm just open to all opportunities that come my way and uh, can't wait to get stuck into the next the next role whatever whatever that will be perfect yeah. i'm sure it'll be big and i look forward to following and continuing to track your your career and as i said uh, i think on text during the week when you win uh, your first oscar um you'll come back and do another episode down yes. the road okay oh, i will yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. cool <laughs> all right Lorna, thanks so much thanks Ralph. thank you Hey folks, you got to the end of another show. Thank you for persisting. I hope you enjoyed it as much as the others. So I'm just going to put a quick shout out for feedback. You can get in touch with me through the site. You can get in touch through Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. It's all on the robofthegreen.ie site and you can take it from there. Also, I'd love if you listen to on iTunes, leave a comment, give us a score out of five on the stars that are so much commonplace these days. I would really appreciate that if you did it. Whether it's good or bad, I can certainly take that. We'll, we'll make some improvements as we go. And yeah, I, I'll keep it short. I hope you enjoyed and I look forward to having you back for some more 1% Better podcasts in the future. Thank you and good luck.